Hello, and welcome to another episode of Guidestone's Faith-Based Investing Podcast. I'm David Spica. I'm the Chief Investment Officer at Guidestone, and today I'm joined by Will Laughlin, who leads our sales efforts. Hello, Will. Thanks for joining us. Hey, David. Glad to, glad to be able to join today. Today, we're going to talk specifically about faith-based investing. It's probably a term you've never heard before. What we hope to accomplish today is to help you understand this type of investing and let you join the growing movement of people seeking to let their faith influence all areas of their lives. We want to break today's episode into three parts. First, what is faith-based investing? Second, who is interested in this today? And third, how does Guidestone participate in this space? So, well, let's kick off with part one. What is faith-based investing? Yeah, so I guess first off, I'm excited to be able to do this podcast today because this is something I'm very focused on uh, in in my day-to-day work in going out and really educating the public on faith-based investing and hearing from financial advisors, hearing from individual investors about the things that matter to them. And so faith-based investing uh, is this area, as you mentioned, where people are looking to... uh, wholly incorporate into their lives um, their faith, right? It permeates every aspect of their life. And investing is one of these things that for a lot of the world, it's become this sort of siloed area of their lives. They they go out, they pick an investment product. um, It's supposed to get them to some point in time or some particular objective they're trying to get to. But there's not too much in the weeds that people get into as far as, well, how am I getting there? And One of the things that we've really seen emerge over uh, the last, call it, decade to two decades is people getting more interested in what they're investing in. And that's across a wide spectrum of value sets. And and what we're starting to find, though, you know this, when, when you look at people's values, they vary greatly from person to person. So a person of faith might have a very different value set than somebody else who's looking at a values-oriented investment. And so, um, right, faith-based investments themselves, the, the whole concept of that is that, right, what they believe needs to be reflected in the items that they invest in. Who are the people that are investing this way today? Yeah, so people investing this way today, um, those are largely, it's been people who uh, are employed in some uh, religious endeavor, whether it's a, a particular ministry or a healthcare system or a college that's faith affiliated. Um, that's kind of the group of people that have been historically invested this way. Um, now, that has grown in more recent years to, to what um, some, some research entities that focus on people of faith. I think they've kind of coined them today, highly engaged practicing Christians. So that's people who are um, right weekly attenders of church. They're actively involved in their church at least once a week. Um, and they're, they're very focused on how their faith plays into their life each and every day. Um, and you know, that segment of the Christian population is where it's appealed the most. But what we're seeing is as more and more people learn about this, it's starting to grow. So how do faith-based investment management firms incorporate their values in the portfolios they offer to their clients? Yeah. So so there are some base level ways that that this gets played out in this industry of faith-based investing. Um, 
right, the original way that this happened um, was through the concept of something called negative screens. And um, negative screens are just basically this idea that people have particular things that they don't want to profit from. And so there will be companies or industries that someone will go in and say, okay, this particular segment of the market I'm not proactively investing in. Um, so so that's that's really – Item number one, that's been the most historically prevalent in faith-based investing. The next segment of, of faith-based investments that, that gets touched on um, is this idea of shareholder engagement. And that's really going to encompass two things. So that is the idea that you are an owner in a particular company, um, no matter how small, as a shareholder, you have some level of voice. So there is the opportunity to take your particular value set and bring that to companies and help them understand how your viewpoint uh, is affected by particular business practices of theirs. Um, you know, that can be everything from how they monitor their supply chain to root out child labor and things like that and, and show them the implication of something that's a value to you, but to show them how that can impact their, their share price. Um, the second side of that is the concept of proxy voting. So that's a variety of issues that come up each and every year. Uh, and the shareholder has the opportunity to vote on those particular issues uh, to let their voice be heard in that way as well. And, and then the final real phase that that we're seeing and this is something that has really grown rapidly over the last couple of years but really is getting a lot of resonance from investors and that's the idea of impact investing so you're going beyond just those first two things you're doing and you're proactively seeking out companies who either have goods or services that are trying to better the world uh, i guess in in the most concise way i can say that so let's move on to the second question. What is the general level of interest with individuals and why? Let me, let me preface this by saying that here at Guidestone, we seek to transform the world through Christian investments. So we really want to see more believers invest in a way that supports their values. And one of the things that I have a hard time understanding is people tithe. People know they have to give. They know that God has given them assets and money, and they need to use those in a way that honors him. Why don't they do that with their investments? Can you talk about that for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are two things at play there. Um, one gets back to the the concept that, that I talked about earlier. There's just a lack of knowledge base out there for people. Um, your, your rank and file uh, investor is somewhat disconnected from the product they get, right? You think about historically how people invested in markets, you know, decades and decades ago, people bought individual shares of companies. They invested in a company because they believed in the company, what the company did. Uh, as the world started moving, um, Honestly, at the same time that the defined contribution plan came to bear, they started buying packaged investment products. And so you went out and you bought a large cap growth fund or a uh, small cap equity fund. And, and the idea was you were buying a pool of investments. And it was great for diversification benefits, but it kind of got the, the individual investor disconnected from what it was that they were actually owning. So, so that was kind of step one there, and people didn't know what existed. Now, I think the the appropriate thing to think about is, okay, how do we get away from that? How, how do we move forward? How do we get people connected again? Um, and, and so then thinking about levels of interest, 
people started to care, I really call it 10 years ago, about looking under the hood at things. They wanted to know how were companies doing business, um, and, and that was things that they were patronizing. If they were going to a store, if they were buying a particular good or service, they wanted to know where it was made, how it was made, how were these things sourced. Um, and a lot of that was brought about by technology at their fingertips. People had the ability to get more information about things. It was more readily accessible to them than it ever was. Uh, and, and so you bring that shift and focus in where people want to learn more. They have the ability to get more information. That brings you to kind of where we are today and that you are seeing people start to question, but they haven't so much embraced it. You're, you're seeing younger generations that have really begun to embrace this. Um, and, and I've seen a variety of surveys on this. I know Ernst & Young um, does a global survey on wealth. Um, Bank of America, uh, private bank does a survey of investors and what their interest levels are. And so you see this, this interest level with millennials. Um, it's honestly, it was just shy uh, in Bank of America survey in 2021. Uh, it was 69% of millennials had at least some level of a values-oriented investment that they own. Why, why do you think that generational gap exists? And how do we, what do we do about that? How do we overcome that? Obviously, most wealth is still held in the hands of probably baby boomers and Gen Xers. If we want to impact the world, if we want to transform the world, we've got to get them on board with faith-based investing. Yeah, absolutely. So overcoming that gap, I, I think that's just simply a time aspect, right? Your, your sort of millennial generation, they were the first ones to really embrace the technology and, and get fully in there and using technology to its fullest extent to gather information. Um, so, so you look at boomers and that, that ownership rate today is about 22%, I believe is where we are. Now, that 22% of, of baby boomers owning some type of value-oriented investment or values-oriented investment just two years prior was 11%. So you actually saw that double over just a two-year window of time. So, um, you know, when, when your, your question, how do you overcome that gap? Um, I simply think it's, it's time. Um, time is, is what's going to catch that group up. Um, because what you see actually with that older generation of um, individual where the majority of the wealth sits – those tend to actually be the most philanthropic of all of those ages. Uh, obviously, they have the money to do that, but philanthropy actually seems to matter the most to that group of people. Um, so it's not that they don't care. They very much care about things. They're just coming up to speed on the information side of it. So it's one of the things that tends to hinder investment in faith-based investments, the belief that you have to sacrifice returns to invest according to your values? Yes. And if so, is that true? So um, I'll, I'll answer the first part and then I'll, I'll get to the second part. So um, in, the, in the study that, that Ernst & Young did, or there were two components that I think stuck out to me that were very important. One was that people did. They, ha they had that belief that if I was focusing on something because it related to my values, I might not be able to hit that particular financial goal or, or that end goal that I was going after. Um, the other one that I think was interesting was the people that were not currently engaged in some type of values-oriented investment. Um, it was because their financial professional had not discussed it with them. 
and they didn't know it existed. Um, so these people, they did not know a values-oriented investment option was available to them until the people that conducted the survey for EY told them they existed. So so I, I think you've got a couple of things there. So the the performance thing, that right is a that is a real concern for people, right? The first primary reason somebody's investing is because they have a particular goal or objective they are trying to hit. Um, with the the academic research that has been done on this space, um, and you know, and and we can kind of get to what what Guidestone thinks about this, but the academic research shows that. Um, it's not a positive or a negative, that it's effectively a net neutral when you look at the impact of things like negative screens over time or positive screens on investments. Um, I know um, Mercer conducted a fairly extensive survey um, uh, and analysis of returns on values-oriented investments um, and and. Then there was also sort of a, a meta-analysis survey of a variety of surveys that was done, and and the data did come back that when you looked at it over long periods of time, so measurable periods, five, ten years, it was effectively a net neutral. Um, now, in any given one-year period of time, you might see a little bit of dispersion between a values-oriented investment and a more traditional investment, but those completely smoothed out over your longer windows of time. Now, you talked about philanthropy. Should investors be willing to give up a portion of their return to actually do something for the greater good, i.e., let's say you take 20% of your portfolio and you incur some returns that are somewhat conciliatory that uh, really are there in order to promote a value set or some good uh, on behalf of the money you're investing? Is that something investors should consider? You know, well, so so there is a segment of the marketplace, um, and and this kind of delves into the the impact investing space, and, and the terminology used for that today is called concessionary investments. You you really got two camps. You got market rate investments, and you got concessionary investments. Um, that's going to depend on the the investor's unique circumstance and what they're wanting to do. Now, when you go out and you look at those types of investments. Most of them are very clearly labeled. Like any other kind of investment, you got to look under the hood at what you're getting and understanding if what is being presented to you is a market rate investment or something that is concessionary in nature. And, and that's ultimately going to be to the choice of um, the investment professional and the end client that's looking at an investment like that. Okay, great. Well, let's move on. Guidestone is the largest faith-based investment management firm in the country. We're very proud of what we do. We feel called by God to honor him through the work we do here at Guidestone. Talk a little bit about how we are imparting our values and the funds that we manage and why this is important to us. Yeah, absolutely. So it, how Guidestone fits in the picture. So so we started out talking about defining what is is the category of faith-based investing. And, and you've heard me now talk a few times about the concept of values-oriented investments. So you've got this big umbrella, which is, right, big broad set of values everybody's got. Um, one person's values can differ greatly from another. So with us, a set of values is a specific faith-based 
set of values. And and even within that faith-based umbrella, because you do within faith-based investing, you have things that are, are oriented as Christian values investments. Um, you have Islamic values investments and, and a variety of others. So we sit specifically in that Christian values orientation, right? At Guidestone, our Christian values influence how we look at the investing world and what we believe we should be investing in. So for Guidestone, we've been a longstanding participant in this space. I think it was actually 1971 is when Guidestone introduced its first set of negative screens uh, across their, their investment portfolio. When they started investing in public equities, 1971 was the date that they put a negative screen in place. And, and that was the baseline for what we were doing. As the business matured at Guidestone, the, the ways that we grew over time, we started looking at other things we could deploy. How does our Christian faith let us think about how we need to think about investing? So one of the things that we we built in, um, right, I think it was coming on five years ago now, um, was incorporating a shareholder engagement strategy in what we were doing. That was engaging with the companies that we are investing in um, and and making sure that our voice is heard in as an investor of faith, what is our perspective on particular business issues, practices, products, services that they they have, um, and in taking these sincere Christian issues to us, but bringing to them in a business perspective, um, and, and so so that was kind of next stage for us. Um, the other side of shareholder advocacy, which or, or engagement, which is proxy voting. Right, that's something that that we are are getting a little bit more active in, and and we want to make more robust in what we're doing um, to be able to put a little bit more call it teeth behind what we do from an engagement standpoint. Uh, and then, lastly, is the the impact investing piece. Um, you know, when you think about the people that were most interested in impact investments, it is that next generation of um, employee working at a Christian institution. It is. Um, the person that is newly starting in their 401k or now has saved some money towards um, investments that they can save for the future. Those are the people who are really desiring that type of impact-oriented investment, and we didn't have anything for them. So, so then you step back to 2020, and we really delved into that impact investing space, um, and we really want to grow that over time, not only to meet the need of that particular audience, but you know, as we talked about the, the generational differences uh, in, in viewpoint on these things, as other generations get to the point where they look at that and say, you know what, impact investments are something I want to do, that we have a solution for them. And we've determined that the best way to reach individual investors is through the financial advisor market, correct? Yes. When we thought about how, how do we grow, when, when we brought Guidestone to the public, I guess, is, is, is the best way to put that. You know, one of the ways could have been right off the bat, you go out and you, you try to hire and, and build, you know, a few hundred financial advisors across the country. And, and that's 
Um, that's a very expensive proposition and, and you don't know what individual investors viewpoints are at that. Um, the approach we decided to take was to go to seasoned financial professionals who have these great deep relationships with their clients. They, they know how their clients think about particular issues and they're always trying to demonstrate to their clients that they want to act in the client's best interest, that they know the client really well. This was this opportunity to add an additional layer uh, in that relationship. It's if I have worked with you for 10, 15 years, I know your value set. Let's at least have the discussion about do you want your values to also be imparted in this area? Um, and Guidestone was really able to bring people a lot of investment solutions that either didn't exist in the marketplace or they existed and they were just from a scale standpoint, they were more expensive. I heard a statistic recently that only 15% of Christian financial advisors employ faith-based investments in their practice. Why do you think that is? And what can we do to grow that percentage? Yeah, absolutely. So that percentage is probably on, might even be a little bit generous. Um, it, it gets back to, to the lack of knowledge, right? You have tens of thousands of great Christian financial advisors out there serving their clients well, being great stewards of their clients' wealth. And, you know, this, this universe, though, of the investment space is awash in tens of thousands of funds that an advisor can choose to use for their clients. And every single one of these companies out there has a megaphone, and they're just shouting information out. And so sometimes you get drowned out in the noise of things. And so really, it's just continuing to engage that population, putting information out there, bringing compelling things to these advisors to demonstrate how much just simply mentioning this, bringing this to a client can deepen that client relationship and and really help them grow. And and not just help them grow and retain – well, retaining relationships is is important. Um, this wasn't part of your, your question, but I think it's worth sharing. Um, there's an advisor that I was working with and, and they were new to working with Guidestone and was talking to him a little bit about the opportunity, you know, what this client's needs were. And this particular client wanted Christian values-oriented investments. Um, this client was not working with this advisor before. They came to this advisor because their original advisor refused to consider this as an option for them, refused to go down that road. So they simply said, okay, if you're not going to do this, I'm going to go find somebody else. And so this advisor had the opportunity to grow his practice because he was willing to listen to this person um, and willing to explore the possibility of doing something that was maybe different than than what he was doing before. Uh, and so the end result was um, you had a client's need. They got met. And you had an advisor that was able to grow their practice because they were willing to be flexible in what they brought to the client. Yeah. Proverbs 3.27 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. I think that to, that's a verse that we use that motivates us and really guides us as we look to deliver faith-based investments to our clients. So thank you, Will. Great commentary today. And I'd advise all those who are interested in learning more about Guidestone's faith-based investment to reach out to your Guidestone representative. Thank you for listening and have a great day. As of December 31st, 2022, 
Guidestone Funds has $15.2 billion in assets, which makes Guidestone Funds the nation's largest faith-based mutual fund family. No other faith-based fund family exceeds Guidestone Funds in asset size. There can be no guarantee that any strategy, risk management or otherwise, will be successful. All investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Diversification does not assure a profit nor protect against loss in a declining market. You should carefully consider the investment objectives, risk, charges and expenses of the funds before investing. For a copy of the prospectus with this and other information about the funds, call 1-888-GS-FUNDS, 1-888-473-8637, or visit guidestonefunds.com funds to view or download a prospectus. You should read the prospectus carefully before investing. Shares of Guidestone Funds are distributed by Foresight Funds Distributors, LLC, a registered broker-dealer and underwriter of the funds, not an advisor affiliate. Foresight is not a registered investment advisor and does not provide investment advice. Guidestone Capital Management, LLC, a controlled affiliate of Guidestone Financial Resources, provides investment advisory services for the funds. Funds invested in accordance with the faith-based investment restrictions of Guidestone Financial Resources may not be able to take advantage of certain investment opportunities due to these restrictions, which may adversely affect investment performance. The fund's impact investing criteria could cause the fund to perform differently compared to funds that do not apply such criteria. Successful application of the fund's impact investing strategy will depend upon the advisor's and each sub-advisor's skill in properly identifying and analyzing impact investing issues. Investments made may not generate the amount of positive impact that was intended when the investment was made.